0: Austin, do you remember how long it took me to find a podcast platform for us? Forever. I ended up finding one called Anchor, and I initially chose it just because it was free.
1: But it also has a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer.
0: They also distributed for us, so that's why we ended up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of our other places.
1: And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership.
0: Everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So
1: download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
0: Hi, everybody. This is not a normal episode this week.
1: We've been dealing with some sickness, so we haven't really been able to record.
0: This is an episode that we made just as a test before we even began recording. We weren't sure we were going to release this one.
1: Nope, because we didn't know what we were doing, and we... Only now barely know what we're doing, so So good luck.
0: The quality is a little less than you're used to. Obviously, my normal is perfect. Um, I turned it up as loud as I could, but you might need to mess with your volume a little bit. This time, though, I really loved the topics. I'm kind of glad we didn't try to redo this one because I don't think we'd get the same natural reactions we did the first time.
1: No, because these were some weird ones.
0: Yeah, this week... We're talking about some dark religious history in more ways than one. Uh-huh. So bear with us through the quality this week. We'll be back to normal next week, unless, you know, I'm in the hospital and dying, but I don't see that happening, knock on wood.
1: If you, we'll record in the hospital, um, or I'll just do my you impression and read your notes.
0: There's a me impression.
1: There is a me impression. I can't do a you impression. (laughs) Why did I even pretend to?
0: You've got to be a little bit more like up at the end. Okay. (laughs) Of course, you do that too already. Well, guys, we'll let you get started. We hope you enjoy. And class class
1: dismissed.
0: Beginning.
1: I don't, yeah.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Will This Be On the Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. This is a podcast where we look at things that we either were only partially taught in school or weren't taught at all, but really should have been. Austin nodded because that does really well on podcasts. Yes,
1: yes it does.
0: As always, this is because there is such a strict curriculum that teachers have to teach. So even if a teacher is really passionate about a certain topic or finds something really interesting, they typically have to stick with what's in the state mandated curriculum. So anything being left out is likely not in any way malicious.
1: Or sometimes things are just a little bit too weird, even for public school.
0: I feel like kids can handle a lot more than we give them credit for.
1: Yeah, oh yes, they definitely can.
0: But we don't want them to because the real world is a horrible place.
1: Yeah, there's like stuff I don't want to explain to kids. Like most things. I don't want to talk to kids.
0: You like kids. I
1: do. I just like explaining things to them.
0: All right, so we don't really tend to have themes on the episode. We're going to kind of just go with whatever historical topic happens to be interesting us that week that we can find information on in a reasonable amount and that we don't have to spend 40 hours working on.
1: But this week, we uh, kind of came up with an accidental theme, because we both find things that were really interesting that we wanted to know more about, and they both had a bit of a religious timber to them.
0: Yes, and, you know, I used to work in public education, so I always have to say this. When we're talking about religion, we are not judging religious beliefs. Unless you're involved with Austins today. Yep. We are just analyzing the historical portions of the religious belief systems.
1: Or sometimes you're in a cult. And mine happens to be one of those you're in a cult situations. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The reason I'm doing this story is last week a book came across my desk. And it was about Harvey Milk. And it had quotes about of Harvey Milk praising the Reverend Jim Jones. You may know him from the Jonestown Massacre, the biggest single loss of American civilian life until 9-11.
0: That, I don't think was in the movie about Harvey Milk.
1: That was not in the movie Milk, so it made me want to find out some more about this.
0: All right, now, were you ever taught about this in school at all?
1: Not by teachers, but like, (laughs) you know, the whole, oh, don't drink the Kool-Aid, ha, 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 thing was a definite student thing and now i'm gonna know a little bit more about the madness that is the people's temple and the reverend jim jones so the weird thing i learned is that jim jones he was a marxist he was a socialist he entered religion as a way to infiltrate the church and use it to go about his socialist means but he also did it because he had a deep founded belief that racism was wrong even back in the 50s. And he was the big Indiana, like, civil rights pioneer through the civil rights movement.
0: Our topics are so different today.
1: Yeah. He started off in the Methodist church in Indiana. He left it because the uh, same church that is not okay with gay people now was not okay with integration back in the 50s and 60s. He left them and noticed that faith healers make a lot of money. And he thought, I can do that.
0: Do you think it's like that episode of Supernatural where they're just killing people without realizing it? Spoilers. It's 12 years old. You're fine. Maybe?
1: I don't know. I don't think I've watched that episode of Supernatural. I've watched that episode of Supernatural. I just don't remember it. So he starts the People's Temple. Early on in it, he he was funding it by selling monkeys that he imported door to door.
0: That he did what door to door?
1: He imported monkeys and he was selling them door to door.
0: What kind of monkeys?
1: It didn't say. There was just like a weird blurb in the New York Times article about it.
0: Is that how Ross got Marcel?
1: Oh my God. Was Ross actually the Reverend Jim Jones?
0: Based on the character of Ross and the things I know about Jim Jones, yes.
1: Okay. So as we're going through this, um, just when you're picturing Jim Jones, just picture Ross from Friends and we will deal with that defamation lawsuit when it comes our way.
0: Hey, we're not talking about Schwimmer.
1: What's true? We're talking about Ross.
0: And really- And his
1: cult. And his monkey.
0: Ugh,
1: Ross. Ugh, like we can't talk about Ross because this will be a nine-hour-long podcast. <laughs> so, after he started this temple, he did a lot of, like, really good civil rights work. He worked with the NAACP, the Urban League. He integrated churches around Indiana. He integrated restaurants. He integrated the phone company, the police, a theater, an amusement park, and, as a kind of a hilarious fuck you... He integrated the Indiana University Methodist Hospital after he got sent to the Black Wing by mistake. And then he decided, I'm going to like volunteer here and stay here and help people and start a letter writing campaign. And he got the hospital integrated.
0: I am so confused because I know how the story ends, but I don't know how we get from A to Z.
1: Oh, I don't either. It's just like he also like comforted families in Indianapolis and in the area that had had their homes vandalized with swastikas, and he would actually arrange stings on restaurants to see if they were discriminating against like you know their black patrons. And were they? Oh yeah, they were. I know when you talk about civil rights, it's all about the South, the South, the South. But this was all going on in the North too. It was just less murdery. Not, not, not murdery. Just less murdery.
0: Yeah, we never talked about that in history class, but that's a topic for another time.
1: That is definitely a topic for another time. Probably
0: multiple times.
1: Oh, yes. He was getting threats over the phone about his work and someone threw a dead cat at his house.
0: Yeah, I just saw the words dead cat written on your notes which i know i shouldn't be looking at either
1: i'm I that's the one that popped out to you because the next thing that happened is someone left a stick of dynamite in his church's coal pile this is the laziest bomb maker i mean you couldn't like put some wires or like an alarm clock on this you're just hoping they wouldn't notice the stick of dynamite and throw it in the furnace
0: his notes though look like that kind of poetry you see made fun of on shows where they're snapping along with it and they're speaking in rhythm stings on restaurants dead cat coal oh.
1: pile dynamite
0: adoptions
1: yeah he did he did a lot of adoptions he adopted uh, korean children and was encouraging his congregation to adopt north korean war orphans this is related kind of kim il-sung kim jong il's and you know father and like the grandfather and still listed as the current leader of north korea there's a lot of similarities between jonestown and north korea the biggest cult on earth it's it gets tragic because not this
0: story gets tragic
1: yeah um a few of these kids survive but most of them do not they were also the first white couple in indiana to adopt a black child then later on they adopted tim who was the son of one of their congregation members and it's not entirely clear if this was like a legit adoption or if they kind of brainwashed her into letting them adopt her child
0: I mean, that's how we got all of our cats.
1: That We brainwashed all of our cats. This is, like, he's doing great things. He's a big part of the civil rights movement. He is, like, moving the cause forward in Indiana. Then they move to California, and he loses his damn mind.
0: Is it because he no longer... Was the dark horse in all of this and therefore wasn't getting the attention he used to?
1: Oh, no, he was getting so much more attention in California. This is where he started the big church and he started becoming terrified of the nuclear apocalypse. This is also when he started looking to South America and Guyana. Guyana? Guyana, thank you.
0: I think. We are not history or geography teachers. I know that comes as a shock.
1: We're going to mispronounce so many things. I'm surprised I can pronounce Jones right half the time.
0: We're going to get so many facts wrong. Oh yeah. Like the internet is nothing but contradictions. And
1: our entire concept is, is this on the test? And I can tell you, do not use us to study anything.
0: Except for maybe as a study in how really good marriages work. Yep. This is some healthy stuff right here. Healthy
1: marriage. <laughs> so his preaching became a bit more erratic when after he moved to California. He got very anti-American, anti-Christian, and was saying, here we go. Here's a quote. The Christianity was a flyaway religion, rejecting the Bible as a tool to oppress women and non-whites and denouncing a sky god who was no god at all. He began preaching that he was the reincarnation of Gandhi, Father Divine, Jesus, Buddha, and Vladimir Lenin. Lenin.
0: Yeah, that's, that tracks.
1: He also said, What you need to believe in is what you can see. If you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. If you see me as your father, I'll be your father. For those of the, you who have a father, father, if you see me as your savior, I'll be your savior. If you see me as your god, I'll be your god.
0: If I see him as a bowl of chili, will he be a bowl of chili? Maybe. Just don't see him as a glass of Kool-Aid.
1: Don't see him, oh, <laughs> too soon. They also were like big into politics at the time too. Because they were uh, going up and down the coast of California in Greyhound buses, doing faith healing and preaching. Jones had a special bus that he would use that was armored and had armed guards on. And he wouldn't go anywhere unless he thought he could net over $100,000. They were pulling in millions of dollars at this point. They would send people out on faith healing trips. And they would have members of the congregation in the crowd who would have fake revelations or healings. And get donations again. They're pulling in just thousands and thousands and millions of dollars.
0: We are in the wrong career field. Oh,
1: then they would send out mailers with catalogs where you could order holy oil or scraps of Jim Jones's robes and keychains and knickknacks and junk. Then they were making three to four hundred dollars a day on that. And this is like this is old tiny money.
0: So. When we are obviously very popular with this and get our merch store, we'll sell you those same things.
1: I will sell you scraps of any clothing of mine you want.
0: Please, I've got preferences for ones that you can take. My unicorn shirt? Healthy marriage.
1: Healthy marriage! (laughs) Anyway, they also got big into politics because they were making a lot of money and they could get a lot of influence that way, which was why he got into the church to begin with, was money and power. They basically got the mayor of San Francisco elected. Governor Jerry Brown, which... Holy fuck. He was the governor back then, too. He would attend fundraiser dinners, and he called Jones what you should see every day when you look in the mirror, and said that he was a combination of Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Mao Zedong.
0: So he should be what I see every day in the mirror, which means he is a bowl of chili.
1: You look nothing like a bowl of chili. You're very pale. It's more like a bowl of chowder.
0: Don't tell me what I see in the mirror. Is it like that Michael Jackson song, The Man in the Mirror? Except it's a bowl of chili.
1: The man in the bowl of chili?
0: No, nope, just a bowl of chili. Because the Made man in the out. bowl of
1: chili sounds like a cannibalism thing, which we're not doing cannibalism this Today. time. <laughs> and, of course, Harvey Milk. He was a San Francisco politician. He was one of the first openly gay politicians in America. And he would say uh, send lots of his fundraisers and temple events and was a huge supporter of the People's Temple and the Reverend Jim Jones. He would say... Reverend Jim, it may take me many days to come back down from that high I reached today. I found something dear today. I found a sense of being that makes up for all the hours and energy placed in fight. I found what you wanted me to find. I shall be back, for I can never leave.
0: This is actually all kind of sad for them, but I'm really curious to find out how or if they changed their tunes after all of this went down.
1: You know, I didn't find anything about that. Because even like, when this was going down, there were like Harvey Milk was still supporting him after there were a bunch of defections. The most famous was when the gang of eight, which is eight defectors, decided to leave. But they couldn't just leave because he would make all of these threats just crazy things. Like he'd wave a gun around and scream at people. He was brainwashing people. He was emotionally, physically, and sexually abusing people.
0: Now, if we think of all these great leaders and speakers and what have you throughout history who turned out to be really bad guys, and they had these people who really admired them, it is really rare for them to ever publicly state, I fucked up. Yeah. And you know what, guys? If you fall for someone at some point and you realize it was a bad move, you're allowed to say you messed up. That will actually get you a lot more respect than deflecting.
1: Well, so anyway, this gang of eight people left and they couldn't just flee. They had vans full of guns because they're afraid that Jones is going to send out search parties after them. And he did. He sent out several search parties and he even had a man in an airplane flying around, scanning roads, looking for them.
0: Um, Like Sarah Palin hunting wolves.
1: Yeah, it was like that. And so this was going on. And when this happened, he said in order to keep our apostolic socialism, we should kill ourselves and leave a note saying that because of harassment, a socialist group cannot exist at this time. Jones became furious, waving a pistol in his planning commission and referring to the gang of eight as Trotskyite defectors and Coca-Cola revolutionaries. <laughs> and it's at this time, they started carrying out mass suicide drills.
0: Coca-Cola revolutionaries.
1: Coca-Cola revolutionaries.
0: I've been to the Coca-Cola museum. I mean, the soda itself was revolutionary at the time. Yeah,
1: I'm surprised they're not using this in their advertisements.
0: I'm surprised they're not sponsoring us. Come on, Coke.
1: Mm, Coke. So, So this was a lot of bad press, obviously. And at the time this was happening, Harvey Milk did not stop his support of them he actually wrote a letter to president jimmy carter about how jones was a man of the highest character and he claimed that escaped temple members were trying to damage reverend jones's uh, reputation with bold-faced lies then at one point they actually a big expose was coming out but the editor of the magazine was sympathetic towards the people's temple so he called the reverend jones before they were going to print it and read it to him over the phone Uh, While he was reading it over the phone, Reverend Jones allegedly wrote on a piece of paper, we leave tonight. And they packed up the operation as fast as they could. And the People's Temple moved into a location they were preparing in Guyana in South America, which is next to Venezuela.
0: We should do something similar if we ever need to flee. I'll just write down,
1: we leave tonight.
0: Yeah, but we're not going to a country that we can't pronounce.
1: The pact is made. This is when they all go to Jonestown and this entire thing turns into a giant fucking horror
0: movie. All right, and here's the part that we all know or at least know parts of.
1: At this point, he is isolating members of the community. He is threatening to cut off contact with family members if they talk about what's going on in Jonestown. He's not letting people phone, let, write letters, phone home. He's isolating them, brainwashing them, doing all of the classic, you know cult leader playbook and a former temper member member, uh, Tim, not that Tim. Stone decides that he is going to go to Washington, D.C. with a bunch of people and some complaints and talk to the State Department and any sympathetic members of Congress. And that's when they get one of their big allies, California Representative Leo Ryan.
0: Who I assume is not related to Paul Ryan.
1: In no way related. In November of 1978, Leo Ryan arrives in Guyana with his staff, the press, and relatives of Temple members and one of his aides jackie spear who is wrote an amazing book about this you should check it out if you're interested in what happened in Jonestown. they arrived there they had a big reception jim jones is like well nothing's going on here i don't know why you're so worried he took them seeing the most favorable aspects of the commune like you know they had pathways cabins a medical center a school a big pavilion but it was um according to jackie spear it was eminently clear that Jonestown was a hierarchical community, with the power structure resembling some sort of plantation. The majority of the temple members were black, while the leadership was almost exclusively white. It did not sit well with me. So they're just go- they're on this tour when NBC reporter Don Harris goes off for a smoke break, and two temple members come up to him and pass him a note that has their names and wants like get us the fuck out of here. They start to get a little worried and it's like the floodgates open after this. People are coming forward saying, They went out of Jonestown. They're not happy here. It is not this paradise. We want to leave. They won't let us take us with you. So Leo Ryan decides we need to play it cool tonight. We're leaving tomorrow anyway. So we're going to keep our invest- keep doing our investigation. We're gonna do our jobs. We're gonna stay here tonight. We're gonna to leave tomorrow afternoon as scheduled. Overnight it's stormy and rainy and Jackie Spear writes that she couldn't sleep because she was just terrified. Also, Jackie Spear was only one of two people on this expedition who updated her will before leaving.
0: And she was a member of the press? Remind me. And
1: she was uh, one of his aides.
0: One of Leo Ryan's aides. One of Leo Ryan's aides. Okay.
1: And everyone else is saying he's a congressman. We're on a mission from the United States government. No one is crazy enough to attack us. We'll be fine.
0: I mean... a president was once either assassinated or had an attempt because someone was in love with Jodie Foster. So maybe we should think a little bit more. Yeah, that
1: was like right around when this. That, actually, that hadn't happened yet. That was Reagan.
0: Well, we also had an actor kill a president and then exit <laughs> dramatically. <so. Whoa. laughs>
1: At least he wasn't pursued by a bear when he exited. So the next morning, all hell breaks loose. They notice that the, the facade of everything that's happening is just crumbled. They notice that old women are, like, they've had these extravagant spreads of food, like, to show off how much food we have. But they notice old women are, like, pocketing food and everyone's running off with stuff. Everyone is coming forward saying, get us out of here, take us with you, giving them letters to send their relatives because they've been cut off from communication. And while this is happening, uh, Representative Leo Ryan is stabbed by one of the temple members, which prompts them to get out. They load as many people they can in the vehicles they have, and they go back to their airport and they're getting ready to leave. There was one member of the hierarchy that was in with the defectors who they were a little nervous about, Larry Layton. As they're leaving, a uh, tractor trailers show up full of people. People pop out. They are armed with automatic rifles Ugh. and they open fire on the defectors and everyone. And Larry Layton pulls out a shotgun inside the airplane and starts shooting people. All in all, five people die in this attack. Representative Leo Ryan, NBC reporter Don Harris, NBC cameraman Bob Brown, San Francisco Examiner photographer Greg Robinson, and Temple member Patricia Parks die in this.
0: What happened to Larry Layton?
1: He probably goes back with people in tractor trailer and dies in the poisoning.
0: Oh, so the plane wasn't in the air when he did plane this. wasn't in the okay. air.
1: they were still on the ground. Jackie Spear gets shot five times. She was thinking the entire time, "I'm going to die," but. I can't have let my grandma be at my funeral. I can't do that to her. So she manages to survive this and spends the next 22 hours in the cargo compartment of the airplane waiting for rescue.
0: So the plane never took off.
1: plane never took off.
0: Did they get the pilot or was the pilot not there yet?
1: pilot wasn't there. Well, someone opened fire on a group of people. Yeah. They probably damaged the airplane when they were shooting at it.
0: And Jackie's a badass. Oh,
1: she is a badass. After this happens reverend jones just assembles everybody they begin what at the time was called a mass suicide but it was not a mass suicide it was a mass murder suicide because out of the 909 people that died 304 of them were children it was cyanide in grape flavor aid not kool-aid we learned that all wrong it was flavor aid
0: flavor aid i think is what i grew up on because it was cheaper than kool-aid and you know what my favorite flavor is
1: what is your favorite flavor Grape. (laughs) Maybe
0: I, too, am a reincarnation of that set of people and a bowl of chili.
1: It is possible. (laughs) This is happening. They have posted armed guards around the camp, so making sure that nobody can escape. And it is also, some people theorize, that a lot of people thought this was just yet another rehearsal of the mass suicide. And this wasn't actually happening, that they weren't being poisoned. All of these people die. Then, uh, while this is happening, Jones is delivering a sermon which he is trying to calm people down and telling them that men would parachute in here on us, shoot some of our innocent babies, they'll torture our children, they'll torture some of our people here, they'll torture our seniors, that hostile forces would convert captured children to fascism. A temple member, who you can hear on the recording, state states that the ones that, th- that they take capture, they're just going to let them grow up to be dummies. When people start to cry and panic, he says, Don't die like this. You, don't, you need to die like socialists.
0: He sounds like he'd have a very successful radio program today.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he was—he modeled everything after, like, the televangelists of his era. That's what he models everything off of.
0: Some of whom are still televangelizing today. Maybe they need to reflect.
1: Here we go. Here, Oh, here's the quote. Stop these hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. He said, don't be afraid that death is just stepping over into another plane and that death is a friend. And Jones concludes, we didn't commit suicide We committed an act of revolutionary suicide.
0: We didn't commit suicide, except for we did.
1: Yep. Protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Again, not suicide. There were 304 children who did not know what they were really doing.
0: No, they were just getting some flavor aid.
1: Jones um, then goes on and commits suicide with a gun.
0: He didn't like grape?
1: Didn't like grape, apparently. He also, uh, toxicology reports, found huge amounts of barbiturates in his system almost fatal but they assume he had built up a tolerance over time because he was getting high wasn't
0: there something about they were all found lying in a similar direction yeah they
1: was they assembled and lied down in groups but his son the one the adopted son tim lived
0: <laughs> go tim
1: you know how he lived how he'd grown dissatisfied with life in jonestown but he was a member of the basketball team and they were at an away game and jones keeps calling them and saying you guys need to come back to the compound and you come back to the compound they didn't so they were still in brazil playing basketball when this happened the uh basketball team was held for several days by the authorities and they were called in to identify bodies oh how were they
0: still kids or were they he was 19. so still kids still kids so extracurriculars save lives guys get involved with your sports and arts after school
1: (laughs) and jackie spear again she lives and she goes on to actually become a Congresswoman.
0: All right, Jackie.
1: Yeah. she. I think she is still currently in Congress.
0: Sorry, yeah. Jackie.
1: <laughs> so, are you ready for some questions?
0: All right. So these are questions. We are determining not the answers, but whether or not they would appear on a test.
1: Will, how long Jerry Brown has been the governor of California be on the test?
0: No, because I can't do that kind of math. So that yep. might just be me hoping.
1: Would Guayana be on the test?
0: Yes, and probably as a spelling question.
1: Yep. Or a geography question. Point out on the map.
0: What's a map?
1: Will the fact that Flavor Aid dodged the biggest chunk of bad press a powdered beverage could ever get be on the test? No. All right. So that is the Jonestown Massacre.
0: That is a bummer. I know. I was hard, like, we, we try to make these funny, but there's just not a whole heck of a lot that's funny about it. I mean, I don't even like chili and I just need somewhere to go.
1: Yeah. I just
0: had to do this because I didn't know
1: about what a civil rights activist Jim Jones was and then just how in the exact opposite direction he went later in life.
0: Yeah. I feel like if he was on The Good Place, his points would not work in his favor.
1: Oh, they would not work at all. And it's like if you just stopped like in Indiana, which by the way, don't just stop in Indiana. Go to California. You're not going to go crazy like Jim Jones. Get out of Indiana
0: ask Sarah Winchester about that, though.
1: I mean, she was in Lawrence, Kansas. Wasn't she?
0: I'm talking about Winchester Mystery House. Oh!
1: Um, You can't, like, bring up Winchester's From different things the same There are so many
0: Winchesters. I mean, you probably had some Winchesters in your story, too. You just didn't brand name those guns.
1: Or in the 909 massacre. Probably, yeah. Yeah.
0: Although it's interesting because we're talking about a guy who did a lot of arguably good things, but ultimately did a lot of unarguably bad in a way that he probably thought balanced each other out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well... I'm here to talk about Martin Luther today. Martin Luther? Yeah. All right. So I picked Martin Luther because I learned about him in Catholic school and Austin learned about him in the L- uh,
1: Lutheran Confirmation. So we were very much pro-Luther.
0: And to be honest, Austin, I don't think really knows this because he said that there was a lot of like, ah, the Catholics in his.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's We were thought, it's taught like, oh, this is all just Catholic propaganda.
0: Yeah. We didn't care. We were like Martin Luther did this. Well, we right. don't
1: care anymore, but like at the time, there was a war about it.
0: Well, I mean, there were wars about a lot of things, but you were still being taught that we hate you when we're largely, yeah, in, indifferent. largely indifferent. And we actually were taught about this—the the version of Martin Luther that is taught in history classes, which is not real, as you will soon learn—in a fairly historical way and not in a religious way weirdly, my Catholic school history classes were a lot more historical than a lot of my public school ones, which were tinted with religion. But we went to the same public school, you know that. Oh, yeah. I got information from several different sources, including Wikipedia, which we both love. But I did go to the linked articles. And then there's a really cool site that I want to put out there. It's called The Local, and I think it was The Local all one word, dot D-E-E which is German news that's written in English, and it was originally written for just a group of 12 English language learners. Hmm. And it has turned into this website. Cool. Okay, so that's not the only sources, but I wanted to point that out, because that's cool. All right, Martin Luther. He was born on November 10th, 1483. Based on his Wikipedia picture, Austin described him as a potato who lost a fight. I said he just looks smug as fuck. This guy... Really believed himself to be hot stuff. And I was making all these jokes with Austin yesterday. We don't tell each other our stories ahead of time, but I was just telling him how sexy Martin Luther thought he was. Oh, that's coming up. That's real.
1: Yeah, Martin Luther would have absolutely been like a Gamergate neckbeard if he was alive today.
0: Martin Luther was not his name. Did you learn that in Lutheran school? No. His name was Martin Luther, which does not sound like a big deal. That's ludicrous. It's... (laughs) You should be ashamed. I
1: should be ashamed.
0: Now, that may not sound like a big deal. It could sound like one of those Englishified things, but it was not. He chose to change his name to Luther, and they believe it's so it could be closer to the Greek word eleutherios, meaning freedom and liberty, because his ego was quite small. <laughs> um, also, fun fact, Martin Luther King was also not named Martin Luther King. But- it was
1: Martin Luther King Jr.
0: No, he was also not named that. <laughs> That's another time, maybe. Anyway, Martin Luther's dad was named Hans because, of course, it was, and he wanted him to be a lawyer so he would help the family business. But when he was 21, Martin was caught in a storm and nearly hit by a lightning bolt. Now, he decided that this storm was a sign from God and said to God, If I don't die, I'm gonna dedicate my life to you. And I'm thinking that that sounds more like a Zeus thing.
1: I was going to go with Thor, but maybe Zeus.
0: Sending down those lightning bolts, maybe that's where all of this confusion started. Well, he survived. So he became a monk. He was ordained to the Roman Catholic priesthood in 1507. But even while he was living that bare-bones, very Spartan life, he kept studying, and he ultimately got his doctorate and became a a professor of biblical studies. So a few years into his priesthood, Translations of the Bible and some other related works became more widely available. And the one that influenced him the most was the Augustine Bible, which emphasized the supremacy of the Bible over the church. And that made Martin Luther think, huh, so God's infallible, right? All men are supposed to be fallible. So why aren't we doing what the Bible says and we're doing what the church says? worth noting, and I believe it's always been this way, but the Catholic Church says that their Pope is infallible, which goes directly against what the Bible says, which I think is part of what sparked Martin Luther's whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't like a lot about th- things about Catholicism, but the big one was the indulgences. An indulgence, according to the all knowing Wikipedia, is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sins. So basically, they had to do a specific thing the priest told them to do in order to be allowed to commit a sin or to make up for a sin they'd already committed. We still do that. Call it penance. (laughs) Um, It's part of confession. Basically, you tell the priest the thing you did. You say a certain number of Hail Marys and boom, you didn't do it anymore. Something like that. I, um... I was not a good Catholic school student, and I never actually went through the confessions class. I was just made to confess my sins to the priest in front of my entire eighth grade class. That doesn't seem right. No, and I didn't know what to say, so I said sometimes I yell at my dog. So,
1: yeah, this is actually pretty much matching up more or less with what we learned.
0: By the time the, uh, Martin Luther came along, the indulgences were way out of control, though. So it wasn't like... Like, now, if you commit murder, they're basically going to be like, yeah, it's too late for you, bro. So even the church was a little bit like, I think we've gone too far, but we're too in it now. They were making bank. It's, it's, it's like cath- cathedrals don't pay for themselves, yo. Mm-hmm. So... Because people are committing all kinds of sins and they're getting away with it by praying, doing good works, visiting holy sites, and yeah, money was exchanging hands. Most likely, I was not able to actually find anything that confirmed that.
1: Ooh, because we are taught like, indulgences was like, you give us money and then we're going to take those sins away.
0: See, I'd imagine that that happened. That seems very likely. But in my, you know, extensive decades of research, I actually didn't find anything. Hmm. They had what was called a Treasury of Merit which was basically a bank account that was run by Jesus. (laughs) Jesus would have money in there, take it out, back and forth, think back to the good place point system, but with Jesus running the bank and not Michael, who is not the same Michael from the Bible, probably. So Martin Luther super didn't like this and a lot of the other things the church was doing. So he wrote his 95 Theses, T-H-E-S-E-S, not theses in 1517, Which was also known as the Disputation on the Prayer of Indulgences.
1: Yep. And know what he did with those? He nailed them to a fucking door. No,
0: he did not. What? (laughs) No! I've,
1: I've been nailing things to doors my entire life because of this. This is how I, like, leave complaints and notes and messages to you. Just use
0: the freaking whiteboard or a magnet, dude. I can't
1: drive a nail through a whiteboard.
0: You can if you believe. Whatever. No, that 99% likely did not happen. No. I was taught that that happened. I, it looks like you were taught yeah. that that happened. And they never left any wiggle room. Is that right?
1: I mean, it's, well, they might have, but I had an awful pastor.
0: So the main point of the 95 Theses was that you had to actually repent in your soul and not just do external works. He also wrote about, in the 95 Theses, the basis of Lutheranism, yes? Am I understanding yep. that? He wrote that the Turks were a scourge sent by God to punish Christians. Okay. But also said that we shouldn't have a holy war because fighting to be against Jesus's will, he um, also, and I'm not sure if this was in the Theses, because my stuff got a little out of order, but he did read the Quran. This would be part of it then. And used it to further argue that Islam is of the devil. (laughs) But didn't fight against its further publication, because people were fighting against the Quran's publication, because he wanted other people to follow his lead. In spite of all that, his entire life, so he's talking about these Turks and whatnot, he never left German-speaking areas. He never actually met these people, except once to travel to Rome. These...
1: So he was like the... 1498 equivalent of a guy who'd only watches Fox News.
0: Yeah. Going back to the 95 theses and where they were put. You heard that he put them on a big old church door then turned around and yelled at people, yes? Yep. It's not even a lie he told. When asked about how he did it, all he says he remembers doing was sending these theses to the archbishop. And there were zero eyewitnesses to this. Oh my gosh.
1: So, like, him, like, well, he wrote it in Latin, so he was a learned man, and he nailed it a church door, so he could argue his, like, manifesto.
0: Funnily enough, he also wasn't a big fan of everything being written in Latin and Greek.
1: Yeah, he was very much like this, it's like, if we need to teach faith on the Bible, the common folk, even the illiterate folk, should have access to the Bible.
0: Right, so what he did was in not nailing these to a wall, or a door, or his face, He sent them with a letter to Albert of Brandenburg, the Archbishop of Mainz, on October 31st, 1517. And I assume it wasn't really a thing, but it was just to give him a good Halloween scare. And I imagine the delivery guy was dressed as a ghost. I feel like this makes a good story. All right, so October 31st, 1517 is considered the start of the Reformation and is very creatively called Reformation Day. We're good at naming things.
1: Oh, yeah, we would, Um, every year, we'd have Reformation Sunday And it would basically be really boring and talking about church practices.
0: And nailing things to doors.
1: That's why we'd have to replace doors so often. Most of of your Lutheran church budget is going to be door replacement.
0: Now, regardless of the fact that this was not nailed to a door for all to see, it was reprinted, translated, and sent throughout all of Germany and Europe. This started a pamphlet war with a guy named Johann Tetzel, who was an indulgence preacher... And shockingly, it just made the whole thing more popular when two really fancy guys were arguing. Now, this is another thing. Uh, we have cats and they're fighting right now.
1: They're playing. Chill out,
0: guys. Later on, Luther clarified that the 95 theses were not even his views. <laughs> so,
1: they, like, this was like the start of it. I, like he went on and wrote like the Lutheran Catechism, which is almost the Catholic Catechism with like some words changed.
0: He said that these were not his views, but they were things he'd intended to be up for debate. In another one with a great title, Explanation of the Disputation Concerning the Value of Indulgences.
1: This probably, this must sound better in German, or at the very least angrier.
0: All right, so once he became the Kim Kardashian of his time because of the popularity of his work, and, and his, his
1: colossal butt,
0: and his amazing Wikipedia picture, his superiors had him pride for heresy. The heresy charges required him to travel to Rome to answer to them. But not only did he refuse, he literally burned the papers when he was excommunicated in 1521 and threw them in a pit at a hospital. (laughs) That's amazing. The public liked him. So, um, So he wasn't executed, but he was called to what's called a diet in the town of Worms. (laughs) It's literally called The Diet of Worms. Yeah,
1: we've learned all about The Diet of Worms.
0: I was so bummed that they didn't make him eat worms. That really bummed me out.
1: The only reason I remember The Diet of Worms was because we were told not to laugh at The Diet of Worms.
0: (laughs) So he went there, he was supposed to explain himself, and his response, okay, I gotta give him this. He said that if they could prove him wrong, using the Bible then he would say that he was wrong.
1: It's like, show me in the rules where it says a golden retriever can't play point guard.
0: So as he left, a friend of his had to kidnap him and put him into hiding because he was going to die. Oh, yeah. So after his excommunication, he wrote a lot of things. He never actually considered his theses or anything in them to be the real point where his beliefs diverged from the Catholic Church. It was more his understandings and beliefs on justification by faith alone, which is the idea that men cannot be judged for what they do or don't do, but are just forgiven if they believe in Jesus.
1: Yeah, that is that is Lutheranism in a nutshell.
0: So he continued to teach about God's salvation saying it doesn't matter how good you are. Only through God's grace can you be- and your belief in Christ can you be saved. This is super confusing because he was so against indulgences. It sounds to me like he was encouraging doing whatever you wanted as long as he said, yay Jesus at the end of the day, which is exactly what indulgences are.
1: Yeah, but he took out the monetary factor.
0: I had a long side rant here that I'm going to skip because we're going long. Bible has been traditionally written in Latin and Greek.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So while he is in hiding, he took it upon himself to translate the Bible into German. It took him 11 weeks. That's it. 11 weeks. And I remember, he's writing by hand. Yeah. And he translates the whole thing. Um, This is actually what standardized the German language. Really? Yeah. This 11 weeks of writing the Bible into a language that laymen can understand standardized the German language. And ultimately, it resulted in the writing of an English translation, but not by him. He also wrote a bunch of hymns, which actually kind of just started the whole idea of singing in Protestant churches.
1: Oh, and we still sing those hymns, but to the tunes of Johann Sebastian Bach. So... They're pretty hip, yo.
0: Catholics do that too. Um, there's one that when I switch halfway through, it's either Green or whatever the other song is. Um, all right, so one of the other things Luther didn't approve of was the insistence that priests be celibate. Because remember, he thought he was super hot, not a potato. Not a so. Yeah,
1: because like let's let's yeah, because that whole celibate priest thing has caused zero problems. Oh, I don't
0: disagree with him on this. So in 1525, he got married to a former Catholic
1: mm-hmm. named
0: Katerina von Bora. Yep. And that set the precedence of allowing Protestant clergy to marry. Now here's back to him being an amazing person. Mm-hmm. He said later on, Ugh, I really was not that interested in her physically, but she wanted my bod so bad that she pursued me, and I just gave in. <laughs> Honest to goodness, that's why he says they ended up married. She proposed to him because she was warm for his form.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, let's face it. This was, like, ye olden times, and he wasn't dying of the pox, and I'm guessing he had all of his limbs. He's a catch.
0: Now they had a whole bunch of kids. They also took in a lot of people who had nowhere else to go. And they had students, and they had orphans, and they had poor people, like all these people living in their house. Now, the cool thing, though, about Katerina, Katarina is the only real hero in our story. Um, his attitude towards women changed. And he actually started writing really good things about women because of his wife. He would write all these awesome things about her. Because let's be honest, who was doing the real work in that house that had 700 people in it? Um, Okay, so throughout his life, he continued to write and teach. He didn't turn out to be super cool with like anyone. So we talked about, and I'm sure you know, he didn't like those Catholics. You learned about that. Um, He also didn't like Anabaptists or non-Trinitarian Christians, which uh, I'm understanding it correctly. Where Catholics believe, and I don't know if Lutherans do, I kind of gather they do, they must um, that God, Jesus, Holy Spirit are one being. Uh huh. Non-Trinitarian Christians believe that they're separate beings. Didn't like them, um, and those include the Unitarian Universalists now, actually. Really, uh huh. Along with the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Latter Day Saints. Um, but he really didn't like Jewish people. Really, really, super did not like them.
1: We did not learn about that.
0: No. Now, back in his early days. He was saying, you know what Catholic church, let's be nice to them. We are wrong for quote, treating them like dogs. And he was saying, that's why they're not converting is because we treat them so badly. So he leaves the Catholic church and he's like, all right, now they're all gonna convert because I said the Catholic should be nice to them. Well, they didn't because they believed their faith. So that really pissed Martin Luther off because they did not immediately confer to his belief system. They did not look at him and think, mm, gotta get me some of that. So he started to get real mad at them. Became, um, he started calling them, or he said, a Jewish heart is as hard as a stick, as stone, as iron, as a devil, and encouraged setting fire to synagogues and Jewish schools. Yeah, that, that they brushed over that. Did they? <laughs> they, yeah. And he ultimately just got real violent. Um, But I'm going to end this with his most immortal words, at least in my opinion. Um, You know, this holier-than-thou guy who believes it didn't matter what you did in life as long as you accepted Jesus. He really proved that through his use of language. Um, You know how he wrote really beautifully. Mm -hmm. So I'm ending this with his most immortal words. I am like a ripe shit, and the world is a giant asshole. <laughs> we will probably let go of each other soon. Which they did on February 18th, 1546. <laughs> oh my
1: god. One of my favorite Martin Luther quotes was when he called the Pope the bloated whore of Babylon.
0: Oh yeah, he loved customers. Oh my god. He loved them.
1: It's like, which makes me sad because... There was almost no swearing in the Lutheran church, and none at all in the hymnal.
0: So none of this world is a gigantic asshole stuff?
1: None of it. That's
0: disappointing.
1: Which, like, I would have loved it if we had more, like, the world is a gigantic asshole, and I'm a ripe shit.
0: All right, so uh, did you learn something from this? Yes. (laughs) Um, Do you need to have a conversation with somebody in a therapist, maybe?
1: it's like I, you there is one really big fun thing that we learned that you didn't cover it's like a part of the reason why it spread was because when you translated it into german this is the same time that gutenberg was messing around with the printing mm-hmm. press and that's what enabled it's like to spread so quickly because they weren't yeah. having to hand write all these german bibles they could print them
0: the gutenberg bible is fascinating maybe oh, i should yeah. cover that another time that'd be
1: a great thing to cover sometime
0: all right so will this be on the test Martin Luther was born on November 10th, 1483, and died on February 18th,
1: 1546.
0: Yes. He was majorly anti-Semitic and loved to cuss. No. His wife was a former nun named Katharina von Bora. Yes. He wrote the 95 Theses. Yes. The 95 Theses were almost definitely never nailed to a door.
1: They would never put that on there, because that is the single coolest fact ever, and the only... I, I will stop sending texts. I will only nail things to doors now.
0: Okay, so we like to end this. Um, what is one thing that you learned today?
1: That Martin Luther was anti-Semitic? Which, I mean, it makes sense because this was the awful old times. But it's like also a super bummer because the entire church my family does is named after him.
0: To clarify, his family is not made of racists or anti-Semites.
1: There are a couple, but they are, a, like, they every, are not the majority. Every
0: family has this. Um, and then I learned... I knew about Jonestown because I love listening to podcasts that make it so I can't sleep. But none of them ever mentioned the fact that Jones actually did a lot of stuff we could unequivocally unequivocally consider good works before yeah, that
1: that was it's so hard like trying to put this Jim Jones cult leader mass murderer together with Jim Jones first white person to adopt a black child in Indiana.
0: So we hope you learned something today. We hope you uh, we ruined a little bit of stuff for you today because that's what we're here for We're here. To make you understand how horrific history actually is.
1: And how fun history actually is when you don't have to edit out all of the awful parts.
0: Although I will be editing out some of the awful parts of this.
1: Like my long pauses and our mispronunciations and our awful tangents that didn't work out.
0: Yeah. And, well, we have to leave in our various pronunciations of Guyana because we can't not name the country.
1: Yes. We should play like... You know what? No, let's not pronounce it correctly for them. You have to do some studying.
0: Speaking of which, that is the end of our session.
1: Class dismissed.
0: Hi, everybody. Before we get into it today, this is not a normal episode. I've been horribly sick for the last four days. So we are releasing one of our recorded episodes that was never really meant to be released. It's from well before we started actually doing the podcast. Hopefully we have improved a little since then. Listening through it, I can definitely tell you I like it better now. So I hope you bear with us, and I hope you find this one interesting because, if nothing else, I loved recording this episode. We look forward to being back with you as normal next week. Have a great week. Bye.